Haynes keeping it in. Sveshnikov to Hamilton. Aho calls for it. He rips it. It's loose at the goal. Saros gets a pad to it as Trocek couldn't stuff it home. Sveshnikov now resetting for the Canes. A minute 20 left on the power play. To Sveshnikov. Crossize. Aho! He scores! Where it'll be handled by Ekholm on the back end. Nidakovic with the save. Rebound chance. Nidakovic gets to that on Forsberg and sends it to the corner. The puck comes out to the neutral zone. Now with a step. And the Kings in. It's Ekholm. And saved by Nidakovic. As the Nashville defenseman had jumped through. But the Canes clear the puck over the glass. And that's going to be a penalty on the Canes. Sends it across. Kind of shut. Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Carolina three, Nashville nothing. The Hurricanes have a 2-0 lead in the best of seven opening round series. And they will head to Nashville for games on Friday night. And Sunday afternoon, there was a lot going on. We will discuss all of it. We'll check in with Alec Campbell on the other side. Uh, This was really uh, an outstanding, hard-working win for the Canes. And again, there's a lot to get to, a lot to unpack. And we'll talk about all of it. First of all, a reminder that we are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Siding, roofing, windows, entry doors, you name it, they got it. Sammy Hanna and his crew do an amazing job. Go online for a free no-obligation estimate at AluminumCompany.com. Well, Alex Delkovich was great. 32 saves, shutout, first shutout uh, in the playoffs of his soon-to-be illustrious NHL career. Uh, and somehow, in my opinion, he was not the best player on the ice. And I am taking nothing away from Alex Delkovich, who was outstanding tonight. Because the underlying story, it's not really an underlying story. I don't even want to do uh, be incorrect about this. The overarching story here is that before the game, we found out that there would be no Jacob Slavin tonight. And if I told you that there would be no Jacob Slavin, and the Hurricanes would be shorthanded for 13 minutes and 4 seconds tonight, you would have gone, oh, that's not good. Well, it shouldn't have been, except that Brett Pesci and Brady Shea were absolute monsters tonight. So much so that Rod Brindamore actually went so far as to go, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Pesci and Shea were awesome. He said that specifically in the postgame. 
uh, Carolina's penalty kill was excellent tonight. There really wasn't a ton for Nashville on the power play. Now, Nashville doesn't have a great power play, but you've watched those those players. They have good players. They have good talent. Carolina's penalty kill tonight was absolutely outstanding. I did think on the last Nashville power play, the first minute was the best that Nashville looked with the man advantage all night long. Uh, and a couple of shots did get through, but Alex Andelkovich was big. Uh, but the Hurricanes penalty kill was bigger tonight. Seven for seven, 10 for 10 now in the season, uh, in this series. Uh, and think about these numbers. Brady Shea, Played nine minutes and 37 seconds shorthanded. Nine minutes and 37 seconds shorthanded. Brett Pesci played nine minutes and 18 seconds shorthanded. Jake Gardner played nine minutes and seven seconds tonight. (laughs) It's not, not a knock on Jake Gardner. Gardner doesn't kill penalties. So this was not a game that Jake Gardner was going to play play much tonight with 13 minutes worth of shorthanded time uh, to deal with. Uh, now, some of the penalties were cut short by, or actually one of the penalties was cut short when uh, I think it was Victor Arvidsson took an interference penalty on Tavo Teravainen, uh, cutting short one of the power plays by about a minute. So there would have been uh, 14 minutes of shorthanded time to kill, which would have meant that Jake Gardner would have played even less than he did. But there just wasn't a lot of ice time if you weren't on the penalty kill. I mean, and Carolina's got so many guys who kill penalties. Tavo Teravainen played 531 shorthanded. Sebastian Ajo played 444 shorthanded. Ajo was great tonight. Didn't get one of my stars. Uh, Sebastian Ajo had two goals, was great, and didn't get a star from me. He was second star of the night, and I am not going to argue that he shouldn't have been one of the stars. There were a lot of guys who should have been stars for Carolina tonight. When you're not having, when you don't have Jacob Slavin on the ice, everybody's got to pull together. Uh, I thought Yanni Hockenpah played another good game, second straight playoff game. I thought Hockenpah was a plus player, and I'm not talking about plus minus. I'm talking about plus, you know, to the team. He was a plus Tonight, Dougie Hamilton, a plus tonight. Hamilton was very good, played almost 22 minutes uh, on the ice for Carolina, 21-52. Also had to deal with uh, a lot of shorthanded time, uh, but he did not have to do what Shea and Pesci did. Think about that. I can't can't get away from it. The Hurricanes were shorthanded for 13 minutes and 4 seconds tonight. I, I need to do the percentage of this. Brady Shea played 9 minutes and 37 seconds of 13 minutes and 4 seconds shorthanded. Brett Pesci played 9 minutes and 18 seconds of 13 minutes and 4 seconds shorthanded. I'm going to do the math when we take the break before Alec Campbell comes on. Because to me, it's the story of the game. Uh, No slaving. Everybody's got to pick up. Somebody had tweeted to me during the... uh, uh, you know, during the day, or w- once we knew that uh, that Slavin was going to be out, well, it's up to the forwards now to pick up the defensive slack. Uh, people, this is what the Carolina Hurricane forwards are all about. I've talked, I actually had a, a long conversation with Eric Cole about it. It's wor- really what makes this team so good defensively. And it's really what give what gives Rod Brindamore so many options killing penalties. Think about this. How many teams, and I'm not saying that the Hurricanes are alone in this, because 
Uh, obviously, if you watch the Boston Bruins, their best players kill penalties. If you watch, hell, you watch the Washington Capitals, their best players, including Alex uh, Ovechkin, kill penalties. And this is what, what's at Rod Brindamore's disposal. Not only are his best forwards also good defensively, they kill penalties and are so fast that it gives them some options. Carolina was more dangerous on Nashville's penalty, on pow- Nashville's power play, than Nashville was. Aho, Trocek, Teravainen, Natchez, f- four of the best forwards uh, on the Hurricanes roster, all part of the penalty kill, all were dangerous tonight, uh, shorthanded. Uh, Aho had two great shorthanded chances that didn't go, one of which came from on a feed from Teravainen. Uh, Trocek had, I don't know if they gave him credit for two shorthanded chances on the same sequence. He and Pesci came down two-on-one shorthanded. It was just unbelievable how good Carolina was while shorthanded tonight. And again, uh, Teravainen played five and a half minutes uh, at four-on-five. Uh, just incredible stuff from Carolina's penalty kill. Now, I, I kind of joked that the penalty kill's been good for like the last four or five months. That's the season, right? The season started in the middle of January. We're now in the middle of May, five months later. That's how good the Hurricanes penalty kill has been. Um, it got off to a little bit of a slow start, but it's operating at about 90% uh, since then. And by the way, they were 3 of 27 against Nashville. Uh, or 24 of 27. Nashville was 3 of 27 on their power play against Carolina in the season series. Uh, and now they are te- uh, 10, uh, 0 for 10 on the power play are the Predators. So if we do the math there, Carolina is now 34 out of 37 against Nashville this year, killing penalties. It is absolutely stunning at how dominant that is. And while Carolina's power play has been laboring of late, the one they got in the first period, that was a good, hard-working power play. It wasn't that they were good, but they set up really well. They got the puck in the zone. It was once they got into the zone, there was a level of desperation in keeping the puck in the zone. Jordan Stahl, Andrei Svechnikov, both incredibly hardworking shifts to keep the puck in. And then Svechnikov to Ajo, a great pass right on the tape. And Sebastian didn't waste any time. One time that behind UC Soros, one nothing. Who knew that would be the only goal that they would need? But, and you heard it right at the beginning of this uh, podcast, uh, the Carolina didn't score again until the, the net was empty. And then Sebastian Ajo. Uh, beat everybody down the ice after Brett Pesci uh, just ripped it down the ice, uh, went off the off the wall, came back out, Ajo chased it down, and then emphatically ripped it into the net from a tough angle uh, to make it 2 nothing. And then, uh, I don't know if uh, Nashville was deflated or not, uh, Fogel behind the net, um, threw it out in front, dug the puck out, threw it out in front, uh, trying to get it to Jordan Stahl, and it went off a defenseman. Uh, and through the legs of UC Soros, that made it 3 nothing. Uh, but Carolina, man, such hard work tonight. And you have to be, uh, you have to, you know, basically uh, give it up for the way the guys killed penalties. But, uh, like, I mean, the, just because of that, it, there just wasn't a lot of ice time for guys. 
I mean, you looked at the ice time in the after two periods, and Nino Niederreiter had played like six minutes. Now, the third period was a lot more even strength, so we started seeing guys take regular shifts. Uh, but it's hard to get a read on how some guys played. Heck, Jesper Faust, who was a good penalty killer, he barely played because there was no penalty kill time for him. He played... He played almost nothing shorthanded. Uh, normally, we see you know Warren Fogle's killing a lot of penalties, uh, less than a minute and a half shorthanded. Trocheck didn't even play a lot shorthanded. He won a couple of faceoffs shorthanded, and then probably got off the ice. But uh, look, I, I, this was a penalty kill kind of night for Carolina, and now the 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 bigger concern might be uh, when does Jacob Slavin draw back in with a two zero lead? Do you decide? You know what? Maybe we give Jacob Slavin Friday off. Try to win another game without Slavin. Because you won one tonight without him. We'll see. Uh, I think if he can play, he's going to play. Uh, but I also think that you have to think a little bit. Maybe you got a little bit of breathing room. Of course, if Nashville goes home and wins too, you got a whole bunch of momentum and you're coming back here. It's an even series. Uh, and unlike game one on Monday where Carolina was by far the better team in the second and third periods, that was not the case tonight. I thought Nashville was good. I thought Nashville was the better team in the third period. I think part of that is that I think Carolina was, I'm not saying trying to win one nothing. I don't think they were trying to win one nothing. Carolina had plenty of scoring chances in the third. Uh, but I think they were being a little extra cautious in the third period. Uh, again, I thought UC Saros played very well, made some great saves. It's possible that Vincent Trocek may never score another goal. I don't know. It's been a while, obviously, but uh, I thought Trocek was good tonight. But uh, Saros got him a couple of times. He missed the net once. Uh, but uh, Trocek had a couple of dynamite chances that just did not go. Um, Jake Bean had to play uh, in a little bit more of an expanded role, we thought. But because of so much shorthanded time, Bean played just over 11 minutes, right? I think the, uh, it was 11 and change. Low, oh, just under 12. 11.57. Gardner played 9.07. So those guys combined to play 21 minutes. Bean and Gardner played 21 minutes combined, which is less than Dougie Hamilton played on his own, far less than Pesci and um, Shea played. Yanni Hockenpah played 17.42. And again, second straight night. He was good, uh, and that's encouraging. Going to Nashville, where um, Carolina doesn't have last change, so can't control matchups. If Slavin can't go, it's going to be interesting to see uh, who um, you know whether Rod mixes up his defensive pairs, um, how much ice time Jake Bean will get, because uh, Jake, other than breaking up, made a great play breaking up a three-on-one. Uh, I don't think we saw anything from Jake Bean tonight that would make us think, all right, he's back to being good Jake Bean. And again, I want to be fair to Jake. He, I, don't, I just don't think he is ready for this. Jake needs another year of you know, strength training. He needs to get uh, you know, his lower body, needs to get uh, to, to the point where he's not knocked off the puck as easily as he was tonight. Uh, Gardner didn't play a ton, uh, but if Slavin can't go, Jake Gardner's, I mean, 
You run the risk of having Gardner exposed. And they don't have any other options. I mean, Joakim Ryan's not drawn into a playoff game. Uh, who is it? Max LeJoy, whatever his name is. He's not going to draw into a playoff game. They're not bringing Joey Keene up from the Chicago Wolves. He's not going to draw into a playoff game. Uh, so this is the group. This is, these are the NHL defensemen uh, that are going to play. Uh, and the only reason you'll see somebody else is if there's an injury, but hopefully Jacob Slavin uh, can draw back in. But again, you got to think long-term. Uh, you have to have Slavin available. Uh, assuming you advance, you got to have Slavin available when you face, my guess is, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have a 2-0 two no, two lead in uh, in their series. A couple of other things I want to just touch on before we take a quick break, and we'll talk, come back uh, with Alec Campbell on the other side. Once again, Eric Holla, Martin Natchez getting acquainted in the first period. Uh, I believe uh, Natchez was, was like, you remember that time you scolded me in the locker room? And Holla was like, yeah, I remember that time. I'm going to scold you again. There was a lot of conversation. Uh, I know Sebastian Ajo and, uh, and Holla were getting into it uh, when they were both on the benches. Uh, Ajo kind of high-stick, cross-checked. Hala, who embellished it, but there was no embellishing called. Um, I guess they're done with their quota of embellishment calls after Brock McGinn was dumped and they called him for embellishment. Um, but uh, I have no problem with the way Hala played tonight. I have no problem with everybody getting mad at him. Uh, it didn't end well for Hala here, but Eric Hala was a good player, and he is a good player. And if he thinks that the way for him to play well and the way for Nashville to play well is to try to get under the skin of the Hurricanes. Well, uh, them's playoff hockey, and that's okay. That's really, really okay. I got no problem with it. You shouldn't have any problem with it either. Uh, so uh, here's, by the way, because uh, because we want to be uh, uh, equal opportunity, there are some saves from Alex Nedeljkovich we haven't heard this one. Turning around is Johansson. Gets the puck out to the point. We're good. Branson shot right on and hanging on is Nedeljkovic. And he'll take his shove. And the Canes take exception. Yeah, they did take exception. And there was a Jordan Martinook, uh, Matt Benning. I, I would call it a fight since both players were not wearing gloves and throwing punches. Except that the referees didn't call it a fight. Now, I'm not sure what you call that when both players don't have gloves on and they are throwing punches at each other's head, but somehow the referees didn't call that one a fight. I've seen fights before. That certainly looked like a fight, but I guess it was just a rough. Oh, well. And before we get out of here, before we take a quick break, yes, the Hurricanes uh, were probably the victim of some questionable refereeing tonight. Oh, well, it happens. Carolina survived like the sword of Gryffindor. Whatever you take in just makes you stronger. Carolina was outstanding tonight in the penalty kill. They didn't lose momentum from the first period. They gained momentum. I think I, I do think, though, that they were pretty gassed by the end of it. And I think we can all be thankful that Sebastian Ajo is fast. Now Yossi, backhand of Forsberg, it's flipped into the Kings end. 60 seconds left in the third, Pesci takes a look, he's going to try to take it all the way down the ice, he'll miss the mark, but Ajo gets there and buries it! Bullseye! Sebastian Ajo! 
Sebastian Ajo was excellent tonight. Vincent Trocek was very good tonight. Tevo Teravainen was very good tonight. Martin Natchez was very good tonight. Brock McGinn was very good. First two games he's played in more than, a, what, almost two months. Uh, Brock McGinn was very good tonight as well. As the Hurricanes get a 3 nothing win. Sorry, I didn't play Warren Fogle's goal. It was uh, late and uh, I was tired. Um, we'll take a short break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Alec Campbell on the other side. Canes win it 3 nothing. 2-0 series lead. Headed to Nashville. 7 o'clock. A normal start time on Friday night in Nashville. And uh, then Sunday, a 2.30 game, odd start time, uh, but a 2.30 game on Sunday as the Hurricanes, I don't know, maybe they'll be going for a sweep. I don't know. Maybe they can get away with not playing Jacob Slavin for two more games. Again, it's all about making sure that Jacob Slavin can get healthy going forward. All right, we'll take a very quick break. Remember that if you follow the Canes Corner podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you have the opportunity to rate us. You can review us, tell us if you like it, uh, and then it shows up automatically wherever you get your podcast. So whether it's Apple or Spotify or, uh, I don't know, Joe's Podcast Shack, I don't think that's a thing, uh, then you can find it. It'll just show up automatically, and that's, uh, that's very cool. And you know how I like to roll. If you hit me up on Twitter, at a gold fan, let me know where you are, what you're doing when you're listening to the podcast. Somebody tweeted uh, a picture of them gardening. I love a good gardening as they were listening to the podcast. All right, quick break. Alec Campbell on the other side. This is the Canes Corner Podcast. We'll be right back. sends it across. Welcome back to the Canes Corner Podcast. Adam Gold along with Alec Campbell who joins me uh, after a, I don't know, it wasn't that long an aftermath? Um, I don't know. It was pretty long. Was it? It was normal, I guess. Yeah. It was, uh, so, uh, what time did the game end? I don't, I don't even know. know. I don't know. I have a massive headache. It doesn't matter. I did everything <laughs> I was supposed to do and now did it's all over. the sponsors get mentioned? Yeah, all the sponsors got mentioned. Took the phone calls. Trip came in. We hung out for a little while, and I oh, did a scoreboard. And now it's over. Is uh, is Trip just beside himself about Alex Nedeljkovic? I, I think he was more beside himself about the penalties in the first period than he was Alex Nedeljkovic. Oh, okay. I mean, he was he was very impressed with Alex Nedeljkovic. I don't want to sell Trip's praise of Nedeljkovic short, right? But he was. It, it's been a core thing, I would say, of trips this year in terms of the officiating. And so I think that was just another thing that kind of mm-hmm. lit him on fire at the beginning of the game, all the embellishment and stuff that was going on. There was some embellishment that Nashville got away with, which is which is odd. Like I don't I don't I don't pay attention all all that often to who the officials are. And yeah. I honestly don't know who the officials were tonight. I don't know the names. I know it wasn't Wes McCauley. No. Because it was quieter. We would always know. Right, you know exactly. when Wes McCauley's in the building. Um, so I don't know if the two guys who worked tonight were the two guys who worked Monday. Yeah. Because Brock McGinn got an embellishment penalty when he was essentially pitchforked up and dumped. 
Right. Now, I don't understand how that's an embellishment and the two penalties we saw tonight that, hell, I'm not even complaining whether or not they were penalties, but there was obvious embellishment. Right. So, Well, you're not fixing embellishment when you call penalties that aren't embellishment. <laughs> that's the thing. Like with McGinn's penalty at the beginning of the game in game one, it was a hustle play. I mean, he was going after the right. puck off a face-off. Yep. And I don't know what else he's supposed to do there. I, I think, teach you. I mean, I, I could go back and watch some of these, but the the first three penalties the Canes took in the first period, I could argue weren't penalties. They were embellished calls. Yeah. And I believe that this, this was part of – Nashville's game plan. Like sure. I think this is what they're doing. They're they're trying to turn heel essentially and be these pet. Like I think they they Ericala is leading the well, way. Well, yeah, I mean he is. And notice we didn't really see a ton of Ericala after the first period. Like the yeah. first period he was very noticeable. He was, you know, he was being the the pest that he was and then I feel like he wasn't around as much after right. that. And probably part of the reason for that is because when the game gets sticky and you're only down one goal, you can't afford to be doing dumb stuff like right. he was doing. I mean, that's the thing about all these things is that they're cool sometimes. Right. But when it gets down to brass tacks, you got to play the game mm-hmm. because you can't afford to be putting guys in the penalty box for right. stuff. And, you know, that it feels like that's what Nashville's done the last couple of nights. It's like, let's go out there, let's test this out, right. see if it works, and try to do all this, you know, tough man stuff and embellishment stuff and be, you know, heels. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't really worked yet. No, they're 0 for 2. Yeah. They're 0 for 2 doing it. Um, but they got but a bunch of power plays I will tonight. say, though, the first period was the most entertaining of the night for me. I agree. I agree. The game kind of slogged. Second period was just weird. There Second was almost was no five-on-five. Five. It was a slow period. I, I mean, I, and I feel like you could make it you know, a very slow period. And by the way, game two, second period was slow, too. The Maybe period, that's the problem. Second periods have Let's been... Let's not play the second period on Friday. Yeah, I feel like they've just been whistle-fests. But, yeah. And then, I think, in the third period, you could make the argument that... I mean, I don't know. It depends on what you look at. But, I mean, the Canes didn't have the puck a whole lot nope, in the third period. they didn't. I mean, it wasn't until the end of the game when they scored the goals. And, I mean, l- I mean let's be honest. The, the, the second goal was on the six-on-five. It was a great hustle play from Ajo. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you think the third period was their w- worst period. I mean, they got kind of out-chanced and out-high-dangered in the second period. Uh, I think they did the out-high-dangering in the third period, if, we, if you look at the numbers. Uh-huh. But the possession wasn't really there in the no, third. No, it wasn't. Here, it's a, it was a weird... They were both weird periods. Second period was definitely strange. Um, I thought the last six minutes of the game... It, or the, let's just go talk about the third period. The last six minutes of the third period were Carolina's best six minutes of that period. Mm. I uh, Honestly, because there was a time I'm like, what are they going to... What are they going to do here? Because you could, you could. It was obvious. I kind of felt like the longer they didn't score, the more chance that Nashville was going to score. I mean, I kind of started to feel it. This was not a good game for the bit. for overtime. This would not have been a good game to go to overtime with, with the amount of ice time that Pesci and Brady Shea had to play. The overtime was not going to be kind to Carolina. This had to be a regulation win. 
Um, and I look, I don't think they were trying to win the game one nothing, but I do think they were being a little bit cautious in mm-hmm. the third. But even with that, they still had a fair amount of decent scoring chances. Yeah. Um, now, did Nashville have more? Yes, I think they did. And Carolina had to kill off a power play. Uh, I think just one in the third period. I thought they killed um, basically three and a half in the first, uh, two and a half in the second, and then one in the third. I think that's the way it worked out. Um, but the last six minutes, I thought Carolina played uh, played much better. Maybe they got a second wind. Uh, I don't know. But, um, yeah, the, the Nashville's... It's probably more accurate to say that Nashville played their best yeah. in the third period. Yes. So maybe that's not Carolina playing poorly as much as Nashville playing their best. I, I think that's I think that's probably more accurate. So I think again, um the the physicality that didn't work for Nashville. What they don't have, it seems, is a plan B. Right. Right? They don't they they came into this series thinking that they're gonna bully Carolina yep. and over two. Yes, and I said this during the storm watch tonight, and that is that that's their that's their plan, and the problem with that plan is when it doesn't work, then they have to match up skill wise mm-hmm. and speed wise with Carolina, and they can't. Right, and then it gets to their goaltending. Then they got to rely on UC Soros to steal them a game, and he was good tonight. Very good. Could. I thought he was could have be- worked out. I thought he was better tonight than he was mm-hmm. on Monday. We didn't allow a bad goal tonight. He allowed a bad goal on Monday. Yeah, the stall, the first stall goal was a bad goal. So I mean, they, it's kind of what they have to do. And I like, I don't, I'm not, I don't blame their game plan. No, necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I think it's the right thing to do. It's just, I think we're seeing, you know, the, one of the good things about this Hurricanes team is that it's largely the same as the teams we've seen through the past couple years. Mm -hmm. I mean, the nucleus is still there. I mean, we've changed out a couple of pieces here. I mean, Jesper Jesper Faust is here. I mean, Brady Shea in his first full season. Um, You know, Trocek, both those guys played in the playoffs last year, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that what we're seeing is, you know, really the the, the – like, you know, we talk about all the time – can you learn from these playoffs and take them to the next year's playoffs? And I kind of feel like that's what we're seeing a little bit here is that mm-hmm. they know how to handle these situations a little bit better. I think it got away from a little, and you heard like Rod made a comment about it, about the penalties and the retaliation stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, my, my hashtag has been be the rhinoceros <laughs> for this team like right. just let those birds and let those birds sit on your back don't worry right. about them let those uh let those flies just flutter around your nose who who cares about them leave them alone mm-hmm. right be the rhinoceros let it let it let it roll off your back you don't even feel them right <laughs> and they kind of they kind of weren't the rhinoceros uh, early early on in the game i know the title for the podcast yeah. already <laughs> and so and rod rod mentioned that and they right. called him on a couple of those things i mean the trocheck thing was probably a retaliation move oh, sure because he had gotten something from benning moments before that mm-hmm. um but for the most part they have been able to withstand that stuff remember in the playoffs the last two years that they've been eliminated against the pestering Boston Bruins, right. the kissing Brad Marchands mm-hmm. of the world, who are their menaces. That's what they do. Two years ago, Marchand got under Justin Williams' skin. I mean, remember that, right? And so that's what I think is really fascinating about this team is that 
we've gotten a real true sense of the evolution based on the mm-hmm. fact that they're largely the same group. Yeah, I know. Um, they, there, there is a core. I mean, I don't even know what you, the nucleus of this team has basically been the best players have been together now. Right. Th- this is the, uh, I mean, Svetch has played all three seasons. He's yep. played in the playoffs. Stahl, Aho, oh, Teravine and Slavin. Right. We're going to get, talk about Slavin in a minute. Actually, we're not going to talk about Slavin. We're going to talk about the guys who stepped up for Slavin. Pesci, uh, yeah, the, the Dougie Hamilton. Right, the, Fogel. These are, the, these are the core. Brock McGinn, who has played right. really well uh, in both games uh, since coming back. All right, let's get to um, when Jacob Slavin, when we found out, and it's probably a half hour before the game when we realized Slavin wasn't playing tonight. I think we all justifiably got nervous. And nervous is probably not the right word because I don't think I was nervous, uh, but thinking about how they were going to handle not having Jacob Slavin and knowing that Jake Gardner, Yanni Hockenpah, and Jake Bean were going to have to play a lot. Well, this is because Rod Brindamore was such a smart coach. If you take a lot of penalties, Jake Gardner doesn't play a lot. Jake Gardner only played nine minutes tonight. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that was the game plan. <laughs> but how do we keep Jake Gardner off the ice? Let's take a lot of penalties. Go to the box. Um, Which, hey, listen, if you look at the Canes' power play, I mean, they generate probably as many chances shorthanded. Oh, they did. They actually outchanced by a lot. They outchanced Nashville shorthanded tonight. Now, just overall scoring chances, no. On Nashville's power play, it was 10 6 in favor of Nashville. But high danger chances. It was 5-2 in favor of Carolina. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. 13 minutes and 4 seconds. Nashville got two high danger scoring chances on their own power play. Hurricanes had five. Now, Hurricanes didn't score. Expected goals were higher for Carolina on Nashville's power play, mm-hmm. according to Natural Stat Trick. Um, but here's what, what I remember. Remember when Slavin was out with COVID at the beginning of the year? Brady Shea played his best hockey. I mean, I'm not saying he played his best hockey all year, but he played really, really well when he bumped up to play with Dougie Hamilton for that however many games it was, a couple of games. And Brady Shea was a giant tonight. Yeah, I've not seen every one of his games. I can't imagine he's ever played a better game than he played tonight. I, I think there's a very good argument to be made that he played his best game as a hurricane. Yeah. I mean, he's so, just I mean, awesome tonight. Yeah, he was. Um, and now, I mean, with the two no, with the two nothing lead in the series, I'm also a little bit curious about what how you play. You know how you play the Jacob Slavin situation, mm-hmm. um, just because. I mean, like I know Rod said today that it was going to be game time every right. every day, and we're just going to wait for Jacob to tell us, you know, whether or not he's good to go or not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you kind of have an opportunity to not play him again. I know it's not, not ideal. Like, I don't look at the defense core tonight and see a guy who was a real weakness. But can you sustain that? Right, when you don't have it, last change. You know, when you don't have last change for a second game in a row, when hopefully you're not taking this many penalties mm-hmm. and Jake Gardner's on the ice a lot more. I mean, I don't, I don't know. But... You do have at least you do have a little cushion if you wanted to play it that way with Slavin. Yeah, both um, 
both Shea and Brett Pesci. I mean, played more shorthanded than Jake Gardner played at all strengths tonight. I, I mean, that's it's it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. I don't know how Brett Pesci didn't get a star, honestly, other than the fact that he just didn't score a goal. Because I don't do the stars. Right. That's why he didn't get a star. If um, I did the stars, but we could have given him the star before the game. I think the other thing, too, is that realistically, I think we have to look for a split in Nashville, too, right? I mean, right. I think that's fair. So if that's the case, then I, I think it, I, you know I think it behooves you to explore the not playing Jacob Slavin in Game Three situation. Oh, I don't. You you have the opportunity if you wanted. Now the cliche series doesn't start till the road team wins a game. Mm-hmm. So all Carolina has done through two games is hold serve. Right. Um, but. It would be it. W- it might be worth the gamble, simply to say give Jacob another, you know, couple of days off. Three well, now it could, would be three days. Well, off. I'm just saying, even right. with Jacob Slavin, you probably go in there saying, if we get a split here, uh-huh. we'll be happy with that, even if you have him. Right. So, but, so it gives you the opportunity. He wouldn't have played today. They didn't. He didn't skate yesterday. So Monday, all the way to Sunday, Sunday. before he plays again. Certainly would give you that opportunity. For a short period of time, you can make up for the loss for any player. Long term, no they're good. not they're not, not good. they're not they're certainly not beating whatever team's coming up next. Right. Uh, if Carolina's lucky enough to get past Nashville. They ain't beating uh Tampa. Tampa's already got a two oh lead going home. Uh or Florida. They're not beating either of those two teams with with no Jacob Slayman. Um so Rod's got the opportunity. The luxury, if he wants, uh, to uh, to let uh, to let it go. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't envy the decision because I don't think you disrespect the game and assume anything by saying, uh, "Yeah, we have we have a cushion here." No, no, yeah, I know. So that's just the way I look at it. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I don't look at it necessarily as disrespecting the game. I just look at it as exploring all your options. Right. I mean, I just look at it as a logical thing to consider. That's all. Um, Brett, uh, let's see, Brady Shea played 73% of the shorthanded minutes. Tonight. <laughs> 73%. And Pesci played like 71% of the shorthanded minutes tonight. Yeah, and as you mentioned, <laughs> Brett Pesci took a penalty. And he took a penalty. He played 28 minutes Right, the, the number twenty eight oh one, and he spent two minutes in the penalty, in the penalty box. box. He probably would have played all two of all two of those minutes, right. played half the game. Just that is just that's why they could not afford to go to overtime. They just couldn't afford to go to overtime. Second game in a row, at least in my, from my view, Yanni Hakapa was a good player. I called him a plus player. This is not about plus minus. He no, he added mean. he added to the win tonight. He helped them win. I mean, listen. There was one situation, I believe it was in the first period, where someone got loose on the bench side of the ice, would be the far side for us where we're sitting. And Hockenbach, I I saw him read the play early enough that he was back in time to mark that player. And I said, uh-oh, because I thought he was going to get caught. Mm-hmm. 
it was not his guy necessarily. He was on the near side for us, but he recognized it early enough to get back and make that play. Then there was a sequence. I know which one you're talking about. I want to say it was in the second period. I think it was in the third. Maybe in the third. I think it was in the third. He's behind the net and makes like three or four hits on a guy marking somebody behind the net. Yeah, because it was at this goal that Carolina defends. I'm pointing to the the goal that Carolina defends in the third period. Yes, that's exactly right. And uh, and so I mean he he was not a liability in any way as you mentioned he was a plus tonight so I think that's good for the most part I thought Jake Bean was good outside of one bad turnover down here in he got the, muscled off the puck a little yeah bit. in the second period Matt Duchesne ragdolled him a little bit um and then Jake Gardner I thought was pretty good too for the time that he was on the ice I mean like <laughs> he made a cameo he, he didn't. Uh, how much time did he play? Just over nine minutes. Nine minutes. Okay. Yeah. Again, they were they were shorthanded for thirteen minutes. Yeah, were shorthanded he did, for. He, he didn't screw up anything. No, no, he didn't screw up. They they were shorthanded for twenty percent of the game. Yeah. So it's just remarkable. I really have. There were no. I mean, I don't have any really any glaring problems with anyone tonight. No, there were. There, the defense corps held their own considering Jacob Slavin was out. And I was, I talked about this uh, and you and I were talking about it before, uh, like during the game, like how fortunate and part of this is Rod's doing all their best forwards kill penalties. Mm -hmm. All of them. Obviously you got stall, but you've got Trocek, Ajo, Taravainen. Those two guys, by the way, led them in shorthanded ice time tonight. Teravina played five and a half minutes shorthanded. Ajo played 444 shorthanded. Uh, Natchez played over three minutes shorthanded. He's been excellent uh, killing penalties. I mean, all their best. The only one of their top forwards who doesn't kill penalties is Andrei Svechnikov. And I'm going to assume that in the coming years, he'll start doing it too. Because he'll be good enough to do it. It's, it's just remarkable that you can have your best players on the ice which is why they're so dangerous shorthanded. Right. So it has been a like a major teaching tool for Rod Brindamore uh-huh. to get these guys to play both ends of the ice. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that with Svechnikov. But the thing about it is, man, they look to score on that. They I know Ao was talking about it after the game that he's not really out there trying to get a breakaway out of it. But I got to believe that there are scenarios that would be really easy to dump the puck because it's just the safe mm-hmm. thing to do. When you you know you get one of these turnovers that they get, which they seemingly get so many of them, they get yep. so many sticks in the way that, and they're always seemingly in the right place that they get deflections to very fortuitous places, mm-hmm. and instead of just dumping it down there, I mean Aho's like, no, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make something of this, and when it's that 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 one they had that was Aho and Tavo on the two on one. <laughs> I mean, I believe there was Dougie, Pesci, Aho, and yeah. Teravainen on the ice at the time. <laughs> so when you get that penalty kill group out there, yeah. I mean, chances are pretty good. There's a lot of that you're going to get a good chance, there, right? That's a high IQ group out there, especially if you're looking for a scoring opportunity. I mean, Aho had another. I think it was a, the breakaway shorthanded that he, you know, flew however far over the net or wide or whatever <laughs> it was. But still, I mean. Sebastian could have had four goals. He could have. Yeah, he could have had four goals. He got two, so I'm not going to complain he about it. He was great tonight. He's been, man, he's he's such, I keep, 
he's Nicholas Backstrom for me. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Backstrom's a great player. And I think Aho at age 24 is Nicholas Backstrom, and he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. So I think his, his high end is going to be better than Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah. Because I think he is going to approach, I think more years than not, he's going to approach in a full season, he's going to approach 100 points. I mean, yeah. I mean, he might not be might not be getting to a hundred points, but I mean, he's going to be ninety, give or take. So he's just that good, and uh, I don't think we have seen the the high end finish from him yet. No, no pun, right? But I I don't think because again, he's had plenty of chances to score, yeah, that haven't gone yet. I think I think we're seeing like a confidence level though, and a and a just a compete factor mm-hmm. oh from gosh. him that is like, did you see him after he scored the first goal? Yep. Like, there's a little more of a. I mean, I, I hate, love feisty. Uh-huh. I hate yeah feistiness, or I was gonna say fire. I hate saying fiery, but he is fiery. Yeah, but like it, like you know, I remember I think earlier this year I was kind of hemming and hawing about Aho. Is he really? A, is he you know? Is he probably a second line center somewhere else? But. I don't know. Maybe it's all just results-based observations, but he just, like, we've always talked about him over the last few years that he needs to be able to, you know, play against the game's top players and all that kind of stuff. And he feels like he has hit a level that is consistently high, but the compete level is there too. He's, that, yeah. He doesn't need to score to play well. That's th- that's the, uh, the arrival of Ajo to me, is that, He's great almost every night, yeah. even if he doesn't score. Right. So, I mean, he's had some bad games. Everybody's had some bad games. No, I mean, he has bad games, but for the most part, you can come in betting he's going to get a point. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, he has. He has, I think, it's three po- three games in a row is the longest Maybe, yeah. streak without that, a point. That was, I think, a big key for him to start the year was... Just don't go long right. periods of time without scoring a goal or without getting a point because we had seen like sixteen game stretches where he hadn't scored a goal or fourteen mm-hmm. game stretches like that. Yeah, well, it was mostly at the start at the start of the season, right? Right. And then what was <laughs> no it? goals like for two 14. years ago. He yeah. went started the season with like sixteen or seventeen games without scoring a goal. All right. Final thing before we uh, before we close shop here, because um, I, I I wrote about it for wralsportsfan.com and like just a few thoughts about the game. I'm not surprised that Alex Andelkovich played well. I'm just not. But to me, here's what is surprising. And I think it says a lot about the head coach, and I think it says a lot about Alex. It would have been so easy for Rod Brindamore to tap Peter Morazic yep. on the shoulder because Ned was just okay mm-hmm. in game one. Uh, he was better as the game wore on, but he was just okay. would have been so easy for Rod to say, Peter... Your crease tonight. But he went back to Ned, and Ned was awesome. <laughs> so I have no idea what's going to happen on Friday. So Rod could say, hey, Ned, you worked your ass off uh, Wednesday. We're going to give Peter the job tonight. Yeah. Uh, but what it, I just, I think the best way to say it for me is that Alex Nadelkovich is the starting goaltender for the Hurricanes. <laughs> he might not play Friday. Right. But he's the starter. Yeah. I 
I think there's two ways to to look at it. I think that you you either go with the if it ain't broke, don't fix it method. Sure. Because I think he was better tonight than he was mm. on Monday night. Oh yeah. And he does play with a level of confidence that is very evident. Um, or, and I think this was an interesting point that Tripp made in the aftermath, was that now you've got Ned with two wins under his belt, and you can put him away knowing that Nashville knows they haven't beaten Ned. Right. So you go to Morazic, and let's say things don't go your way in game three. And then you come back with Ned in game four, and it's, oh, here's a goaltender we haven't been able to beat yet. So yeah. I could see that line of thinking. Sure. But honestly, I don't think there's a there's a way to go wrong. And the other interesting part about all this, too, for me, is that the, this tandem goaltender situation that we've been dealing with for the last few years, whether it was, you know, Darling and Cam, and then, <laughs> you know, Peter and McElhaney, right. or Peter and Reimer, and then this year more, I guess, more Reimer and Nedeljkovic than yeah. anything else. But we'll just say for this sake, Peter and Nedeljkovic. You know, there's so many years we've gone like, oh, you've got to get to that number one guy. You've got you to solidify this playoff guy. Except now we're four years into coaching and deciding on tandem goaltenders. And for the most part, Rod Brindamore's pressed the right buttons <laughs> along the way. Yeah, yeah. So there's three years now of experience mm-hmm. of selecting goaltenders in this type of system. And I know, generally speaking, it's Rod trusting the goaltender coach to, to make these calls. And I think that's awesome, and it's one of the reasons that I think Rod's a great coach is because he delegates the work, and then he trusts you to do it right mm-hmm. without being a meddler. Right. Right? Ultimately, I you know, he has the final call, but for the most part, I'm – I'm going to guess he doesn't go against whatever no. the people tell him very often. But, like, here you are now three years down the road or four years down the road, and it's kind of an advantage. It's like, when, eh, when you have two. Yeah, we don't really need to solidify that top goaltender. Right. We've had four years of figuring out how to make these calls with the tandem, and we got two guys who we trust. Gives you options. They have three guys. They tr- three, like, three I believe guys. when Rod says, I have three guys oh, I trust. I, I do, too. I, yeah. I've said all year long, if you told me that James Reimer had to start a game and get me a win, I'd feel perfectly comfortable with mm-hmm. that. Especially considering we know that Reimer can be effective with long spurts of not playing. Right. Um, and it's probably actually, excuse me, probably more effective that way. It might might be. I, I, I think we we saw Reimer wearing down when he when we thought he was going to have to play a lot. Played three games in a row, and you could tell that was that was a little much for uh, for James. Um, here's the other real quick. Here's another scenario that I can absolutely see because mm-hmm. we all know how competitive Peter is, and Peter wants to play. Yeah. Would it surprise you if Rod sent Peter out Friday? And he completely shut Nashville down. See, that's the other thing, too. Because if you, you know, you go back to, uh, and Tripp keeps bringing up this example, too, a few years ago when the Caps won the Cup and they started with Philip Grubauer. Yeah. And Holpe was struggling a little bit. And Grubauer uh, went in, won a couple of games, and then they went back to Holpe and he never gave the net back Mm -hmm. up. I don't see that happening. 
I don't see that happening either. Even no matter how but, well Peter plays, but I think you could get a ton, a really good performance, a ton of out of Peter. Well, I mean, yeah, because he's he's now got to earn it back. Yep. Again, uh, no bad decisions. There, I mean, they could flip a coin and send heads or tails out, and that would be fine. I think for Rod, it would be uh, it would be fine. Um, all right, so let's do this uh, only uh, only not in Nashville on Friday. Yes, we will do it we'll, here. We'll be well. We won't be here. We'll be in here. our houses. Yes, I'll be in my house. Uh, studio, uh, studio uh, trip. Studio, yeah, basically. <laughs> we might as well call it that. Trips house. Trips uh, house. Now. I'll be uh, in Studio Cicada. <laughs> on the uh, on the screened in porch. Yes. Yeah, Friday night, seven o'clock. A, a normal time. Oh my goodness. A normal time, and then it's weird. It's been flipped. Like normally, we're supposed to play the eight o'clock games in Nashville. Maybe they were just doing it to be nice to Nashville. And then a matinee affair on Sunday. Two thirty, kind of an odd time. It is, but I like it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is going to get in the way of the PGA Championship. It is, but probably I might be able to catch the end potentially. No. no. Yeah. We'll be done by five. Yeah, we're not going to be done by five. We're going to be done. At, well, the, the, time, game, the game will be done by five. By okay. the time we get done, it'll be like six or seven. Yeah. So, um, but that's why uh, that's why Al Gore invented the DVR. That's true. That's why uh, it won't be Golf Channel. I don't know who somebody's going to replay it. Hopefully, we'll be wrapping up a sweep as well. That would because be, that would give us the whole rest of the week off. That would be good for Jacob Slavin's lower body. It would be. Um, but also, this team hasn't reacted well to sweeps after sweeping. But, and you got Tampa. Although that could be a sweep too. Both teams could be sitting around for a week. That's true. Tampa's. Yeah, I told you. I think you and I, you and I, you and I, told I basically. You Tampa was setting everybody up. Yeah. I, I picked Tampa to win that series. Um, they're good. Yeah. Nikita Kucherov. It's the Stamkos scored last night. Did you, did I think see any of Kucherov in the first game? No. It's, yeah. un, it's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal that you could play not play hockey for eight months, whenever the last time they played, October. It's unreal that you could not play since October and hit the ice and be that scary good. Mm-hmm. That's how Kucherov is awesome. Absolutely awesome. They're gonna be tough. Oh yeah, it'll be fun though. Yeah, take it. I'd rather honestly, I'd rather take a shot at Tampa than take a shot at Florida. Agree. So much more satisfying. All right, uh, drive home, and I'll do the same. All right, sounds good. Hey, be the rhinoceros. <laughs> don't don't be the don't be the bird. Don't be the bird. Don't be the be bird. the rhinoceros. <laughs> don't be the flies. For the aluminum company of North Carolina, it's the Canes Quarter Podcast. Unbelievable. Uh, Aluminumcompany.com, free no obligation estimate online. Go check it out. Uh, if it's for the exterior of your home, uh, siding, roofing, windows, bay windows or bow windows, I can't tell the difference between the two, uh, but they're both good at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Online, aluminumcompany.com. 3 nothing Carolina, 2 nothing in the series. We'll talk to you after Friday's game in Nashville. Bye.
You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app, and you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.